Welcome to 45 Forward, the beginning of the rest of your life. Each week, host Ron Ruel and his guests discuss topics of interest to many listeners in their 40s and beyond, including retirement, caring for aging parents, health, lifestyle, and more. It's time to think ahead to the next half of your life, and we'll help you plan it with ease. Now, here is Ron Roel. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 45 Forward, where our mission is to help you, our listeners, from Los Angeles to Long Island, make your second half of life even better than the first. Two years shy of her 50th birthday, Hillary Topper, a highly successful entrepreneur and mother of two, knew she needed to change. She was fully absorbed in her work, but it wasn't making her happy anymore. She was sick and tired of the ups and downs of the business world. So she decided to run. In today's episode, Hillary talks about her foray into running, grew into a remarkable journey as a triathlete, which she chronicles in her newly published book, From Couch to Potato to Endurance Athlete, The Portrait of a Non-Athletic Triathlete. Hillary is now an established presence in the sport of triathlon. She is even a certified triathlon coach who oversees a team of endurance athletes from beginners to experienced Ironmen. But it has not been an easy transformation for a former couch potato. She did not even know how to swim when she started. In today's conversation, Hillary shares a deeply personal story detailing her memorable races and achievements, but also how she overcame unexpected challenges, setbacks, and failures along the way. Hillary, an insightful blogger who has journaled since she was young, will offer an array of lessons she learned at each juncture of her journey. And if you think you're too old, too out of shape, too heavy, or too anything to become a triathlete, Hillary will change your mind. So now let's meet our guest, Hillary Topper. Hillary, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ron, for having me. Yeah, I should say more properly, welcome back to the show because you were on, I think, almost, I think, precisely a year ago mm-hmm. um, when you were. Uh, I think you're in the midst of completing your book. And so we talked about that going forward and along with the rest of your uh, prior career. So it's great to have you back. It's great to have you as my first guest during Women's History Month. I'm especially pleased, uh, given what I cover, to have a you know, woman who is going through the second half of life as vigorously as the first. So <laughs> thanks for being here. So um, anyway, and, I, and I, I really, I really have enjoyed your book. I, I will we'll give people some information later about how to get a hold of it and how to get contact you and f- find out more about your stuff. But it's really, uh, it is a, a terrific book, very personal, very, you know, vulnerable, goes through a lot of interesting stuff, very accessible to people. So um, thank you for doing it. You're welcome. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I know you're going on a, uh, you've been going running around the country on a book tour, but yeah. so, so, but let's, let's dive into it. So let's, let's give a little bit of background first on, um, you know, how, how you, um how you started to write the book, you know, how, well, how you decided to make this transition. I gave a little bit of a, you know, a lead in, in, in my introduction, but just expand that a little bit more about how you, you know, that first, you know, segment of getting into running, what was that like? Yeah, so I was working 60 plus hour weeks um, at my PR firm, and I had um, senior people who I felt I needed to constantly hustle to bring in business so that I could pay my staff. And in addition to that, if I wasn't working, I was taking Mm -hmm. care of the kids. So I was constantly taking care of everybody but myself. And it got to a point where 
I thought enough, I can't do this anymore. I can't maintain this anymore. So I thought maybe I should start running or doing something athletic. I started feeling like I was putting on the weight because I was going to all these cocktail parties, going to networking events, all of this type of thing. And I just felt like I was just, it was just getting too much. So I decided to join a gym for the first time. Hmm. And I joined New York Sports Club in Long Beach. And I hired a personal trainer. And that trainer said to me, uh, go warm up on the treadmill. You know, little did he know, I'd never been in a gym before. And I didn't know how to turn on the treadmill. (laughs) So that was an experience within itself. And meanwhile, during this whole time, I've always been um, journaling everything, all of my experiences, Mm -hmm. no matter what I did, I always kept a journal. I've been keeping a journal since I'm a little girl. So blogging became so natural for me when it became popular back in the early you know, 2000s, 2006, 2007, I started, I just went right for it. So at that point, I was blogging about these experiences. Mm. And I slowly but surely started to walk on the treadmill, and then eventually run on the treadmill. And then I decided to take it outside. And uh, this woman who I met at one of these women's groups, um, you know, like a PTA type of group, Mm -hmm. her name was Becky. And she said to me, let's run together. And I said to her, you know, I I don't feel comfortable running with you. And I had, I knew because Becky was a marathon runner. And so that was very difficult for me to make that transition into running with her. But we did start running together. She just didn't let up. And (laughs) I said, okay, okay, I'll run with you. And we started to run, walk the the Long Beach Boardwalk. And um, if you're not from Long Island, the Long Beach Boardwalk is 2.1 miles in each direction. And it's completely flat. It just um, you know, you, it, you walk along the, um, the boardwalk and you see the Atlantic ocean. It's just mm. breathtaking. Right. Yeah. And you have, uh, I know that I've been on the boardwalk and there's a the bike lane and there's walk lane. And so you, you know, you know, your lane, but it, it's, it, it's <laughs> a stay great in that lane. <laughs> stay in that lane. Yeah. People will, the bikers will tell you, <laughs> but it, but anyway, um, it is a, it's a great place to start. Yeah. And I guess, Becky is what we now call an accountability buddy, right? <laughs> Someone you need to do something with. Yeah, absolutely. And we would we would run walk every week. And then Becky said to me, you know, we should set a goal. Why don't we set a goal to do a half marathon? And I looked at her like she was absolutely out of her mind. I mean, half marathon. I never even did a 5K or a 10K, let alone a half marathon. But we signed up. And that's when I first, after we signed up, that's when I did my first 5K and then 10K. And I learned all about bibs and where to place them and all of that fun stuff. Wow. Wow. So then the next step, of course, was then like, okay, from, you know, marathon to triathlon. 
so to speak. Um, yeah. So we were, we had been running together for quite a few years. Um, we started at 48 and we went until about, I was 53. She's a little older than I was at the time. And it was, I was 53. We had just done the, uh, the Bronx um, half marathon mm-hmm. and we are running, um, on i forget the name of that street it's a big street in brooklyn and it was on your way to coney island Mm -hmm. and she said to me i'm done i don't want to do any more of these running races we had been going around the country to different Mm -hmm. running races i mean we were just having a really good time and she said to me i'm i'm done it's too much it's hurting my body I, i can't and I had just been to Fort Myers, Sanibel, um, on a Google Glass exploration. I was one of the original Google Glass explorers. And hmm. that's the, um, you wear these glasses, they're AI, and they allow you to communicate with the internet. Anyway, so I was there taking pictures and video with Google Glass. And the person who's in charge of tourism said to me, you know, since you're a runner, you should try this triathlon that we have here every year. It's called the Captiva Tri. And it's just beautiful, you know, and she really talked me into this. And I, after Becky said to me, I don't want to do this anymore. I said to Becky, well, let's do a triathlon. Little did I know I had to learn how to ride a bike and learn how to swim. (laughs) Right. right. So that was all very challenging for me at 53 years old. Yeah, I think that's, but that's, that's one of your lessons. We'll talk about that later, but at the end of each chapter, you do have a lesson, which I thought was very helpful and follows from your journaling, you know, that makes sense. Like, all right, let's end a chapter. What do we take? What's the takeaway here? Uh, But one of the takeaways early is that, you can do this. You know, that's one of the things that um, people talk about is that, you know, one of the essential things in life is exercise. People say, if you could do nothing else, you know, you, you should be in, involved. You know, um, you need good nutrition. You need good uh, social engagement. Uh, you need good cognitive stimulation all the way through life. Uh, and all the, these are important, but the 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 really essential one is exercise and there's no there's no time that you can't start that so i think um you know that's a really good lesson that you can be do what you're doing in your 50s and and i think you mentioned uh that your well we'll get into your group later but just to preface that a lot of people that you work with are in their 50s 60s 70s 80s right correct yeah and the thing of it is is that You don't have to start running if you don't want to. Just walking is really a healthy exercise. I know this woman who is in her 70s and every day she walks for four miles a day. And that's awesome. I mean, just whatever you could do is amazing, you know, and you got this. So I'm really an advocate for that because a lot of people say to me, oh, I would never be able to do that, what you do, but I'm just an average person. I'm not, I've never been athletic my entire life. I practically failed gym. I was never 
I never even thought about exercise until later in life. And that's the thing you don't, you could be, you could start anytime. Right. Right. So some of them are easier if you start younger, like, so when you're learning how to swim, what was the challenge for that for you? <laughs> well, for me, it was breathing. I, I had absolutely no ha- idea how to breathe in the water. And um, I, I had hired a coach as soon as we signed up for this triathlon in Captiva. And the coach said to me, go swim 1600 yards. And I'm like, 1600 yards? I can't even <laughs> swim 25 yards, let alone 1600. What is he kidding me? And I went to the pool in Long Beach and I tried to get across the pool and I couldn't get across the pool without throwing up. I was choking on the water. It was going up my nose. It was stuck in my, it was terrible. It was real. I was so embarrassed. That's when I was um, referred to a a U.S. master swim uh, group um, in Bohemia, which Mm. is really far from Long Beach, uh, New York, it's about, it's a good 40, 45 minutes away. Mm -hmm. And I started with this guy, Brian, who was the coach. And I tried again, tried to get across the pool, couldn't start choking, throwing up. I mean, it was just terrible. I was really embarrassed because here are these, like these, these people swimming in lanes, you know, two through six, and they're all really amazing swimmers. And they're out there and they're just doing it like it's nothing. And I'm in lane one and I can't even get across the pool without choking. And that's when he got in the pool with me and he said, come on, Hillary, let's blow bubbles. Now, yeah, this guy is like 35 years old. I'm 53. <laughs> I was like a little embarrassed about it, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to I'm not going to be embarrassed. I'm going to let him teach me the way it should be taught. And I didn't know how to float. I mean, so that was a plus in my direction. I knew how to float. I knew how to doggy paddle, but that was it. So everything else came easier except the breathing. And then once he said to me, you know what, go out and get yourself a pair of nose plugs. I was like, nose plugs? How could I wear nose plugs? That's just for little kids. You know, and and he said to me, no, a lot of people wear them. And now even today, I mean, I was at the pool this morning and there was a guy in his, you know, in his early 70s and he's wearing nose plugs. And I I feel like we have a connection (laughs) because we're both wearing nose plugs. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, these things can be intimidating, but a few little fixes, you know, make a difference. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. I remember riding, I had ridden a bike in years and, uh, uh, one of uh, my brother-in-law uh, got me onto one of these electric bikes, um, and at least initially it was sort of intimidating. And I it was you know you know falling off, and, and he was like, "Well, just just lower the seat a little bit," you know. And I was like, "Okay, now I feel comfortable." And you can make little adjustments that can make a big difference, and you can move forward, you know. So, yeah. Um, now. Uh, Let's just back up a little bit and uh, give a little bit of, of uh, perspective as to just the feel of a triathlon, because I think a lot of people, you know, they're familiar with it, but they, what are we familiar with? The Ironman triathlon. But right. so it's like, oh, I can never do that. But it's a whole field that has many different levels. So why don't you talk a little bit about just how the, 
what it, what the field looks like, what the sure. you know, sport there, looks like. There are so many different types of triathlons. Um, the most common one is the Olympic triathlon. That's the one that's done in the Olympics. And that was the main core, I guess, of USA triathlon. But you can also get into a super sprint. They have super sprints where you you go into a pool and you swim 400 meters and then you get out, you put on your your bike shoes and you take the bike out for, you know, an eight mile bike ride and then you come back and do a two mile run. Um, there are sprints where it's a, just a little bit longer. Most of the sprints are not the same distances. Some of them are, um, you know, 500 to 800 meters swim in the open water. Uh, some of them are um, longer bikes, you know, and then they always end with a, a 5K run. But the Olympic is pretty standard. That's always the same. It's always 0.9 mile swim, a 26 mile bike and a 10K run. And they're right after each other. So you wear the same outfit and you just go from one sport to the next. Okay. That's good to know because I think people, yeah, in a 10, well, even the, even the Olympic is is a challenge, but it's oh, yeah. a little less manage, you know, a little more manageable than certainly thinking about the the Ironman. Um, and so, um, how how do people mostly start? Do they they do they start at that level, or do they start you know at a lower level from there? I mean, the best thing to do is to start with a super sprint if you're going to start with a or a sprint is is the way to go with something like this i went with a sprint um and i went in the open water and maybe that wasn't the best way to get into it maybe i should have gone to the pool first and and done like a pool triathlon but to me i think it was really really exciting to go in the open water and do a swim there and then you know do the whole thing um during the, uh, you know, during the whole triathlon. Yeah. Right. Right. And um, we're going to come up with a break in a few, in a, in a few seconds here, but um, uh, I think when we come back and break, I'd like to talk a little bit more about um, just the, the feel, <laughs> the feeling of, of, of getting through that, the, the your first couple of triathlons. Um, I think that that's uh, um, getting them under your belt and the physical and the emotional, um, you know, toll it takes in you and how do you um, uh, basically contend with that? Um, so we're going to take a quick break now, Hillary. So uh, folks, we'll be back uh, after the break, uh, uh, but there's much more to talk about with Hillary uh, Topper, the triathlete. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. 
Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania, and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance at success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Rowell or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking with Hillary Topper, who is a PR and social media expert, entrepreneur, author, blogger, and now a triathlete, which is what we're talking to her about today. Um, she is the author of the recently published From Couch Potato to Endurance Athlete. So before the uh, break, we were talking about um, getting into the sport. And I just I wanted to just give her, uh, have her, have you give us a little bit of a feel of, you know, those, those first plunges into the first triathlons. What were they like? You know, the very first one when I did the one in Sanibel in Captiva uh, was crazy you know i was first of all i was so incredibly nervous before the triathlon and now i try to relax a little bit more i I, i'm always nervous before an event i mean that's just what it is right Right. but you know you you have to kind of try to control your mind a little bit because it it can be very overwhelming. And sometimes people end up dropping out because they are, they're so overwhelmed by this feeling of fear. I was very scared about jumping into the, um, the sound in Florida. Um, and um, it's not the sound. What would it be called? Um, on the other, not the ocean, but the on Gulf. The, 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 the Gulf. The, thank right. you. The Gulf. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. So I was really nervous about that. I thought it would be calm, and it wasn't. It was very, very choppy the day the day that we had a trial. So we had a trial swim right be- the day before the event, and um, I went in with Becky, and the two of us were like. You know, we, we the waves were coming at us, and we were just frantic, and everybody's flailing around. But the day of the event, it wasn't it wasn't bad. I mean, it was a little choppy, but not terrible. And I was really nervous about my nose plugs falling off because at the time I I had these like plastic ones, and the plastic ones kind of fall off if you move wrong. The ones that I use today don't fall off, but when back then they did. So that was my biggest fear. And I was also scared about the water and whether or not I could get through it. I was really nervous about it. And I just got in the water and I started to swim and people were kicking and punching and trying to jump on top of me. I mean, I really wow. never 
thought that the water, that the open water was a contact sport. And it really is. I mean, you know, so you have to you have to figure out ways in which you can go around people so that you don't get into a situation where somebody's trying to push you down to swim on top of you. Um, You also need to swim fast. (laughs) you know, and if you don't swim faster, then you start in the back. But I, I started pretty much uh, right up front with everybody. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize what was going to happen. But once I got away from the crowd, it was wonderful. And it, I was in and out really quick. I went into transition grabbed my bike. And when I was riding around Sanibel, I felt like I was on the Tour de France. Like (laughs) people were just zooming by me on your left. I was like, what is going on? I mean, it was just such a crazy experience. Um, When that was over, I got off the bike, I dismounted. And remember when you are, you know, a lot of triathletes, they recommend us to wear cleats, Mm -hmm. Um, but you don't have to. I mean, my coach at the time was very structured and wanted me to do everything by the book. I'm not as structured that way. I don't tell people to go out and buy cleats when they don't really have to, because they don't in the very beginning, especially when you're doing a sprint. Um, you really don't need a cleat, but you know, flatbed pedals are fine. But anyway, so, um, and then once I unclipped my pedals and that whole thing was also a big challenge, you know, trying to learn how to clip in and clip out. That was (laughs) very challenging. But anyway, so I, I got off the bike. I transitioned to the run, put on my belts, put on my cap. And I was out. Um, The feeling when I was on the run, I started to feel like, I don't know if I could do this. This is a lot. This is a lot. Even a sprint felt like a lot. Um, But I saw so many people out there and I met so many amazing people that were so inspiring to me. And just by doing that and being out there with all these different people and chatting with them during the run it got me through the run and finish crossing that finish line was the most incredible experience it was just amazing and once that was finished i wanted to do it again (laughs) i want more you know like a little kid i want more i want more so yeah so i signed up for another one a couple of weeks later uh, in Montauk. And this one was a lot more challenging than the one in Sanibel because it was very hilly. Mm. I really had to learn how to d- ride those hills. And that was very challenging for me, you know, especially coming from Long Beach, where I just rode in one gear. I never had to really click my gears. So mm. this was a whole new thing that I had to learn. It was, you know, um, I think for me, One of the most exciting um, triathlons was uh, doing the New York City try Mm. um, where I had to jump in the Hudson River and I had to climb hills on the Henry Hudson Parkway and then come around to transition and 
run through Central Park. Wow. First of all, I love New York City. I, I'm just, for me, it's the energy and the excitement of New York City that I just absolutely love. But I was really, really nervous about this particular race. One was jumping into the Hudson River because of, you know, all the things that you hear about the Hudson River mm -hmm. and then riding up the hills on the Henry Hudson. And I sat down with a business colleague of mine and she said to me, and I told her about my fears. And she said to me, I don't understand why you have these fears. You jump into dirty water all the time in your <laughs> business. She said, and you climb hills constantly in your business. So what is different about those hills as opposed to these hills? And she's absolutely right. So I'm standing online at, at ready to go into the Hudson River. And I was with my, my friend Becky. And as we're like looking over the side of the um, <laughs> of the wall to see, you know, watch the swimmers go in, we see used condoms and dead fish and all these nasty things that were in the water. I'm like, oh my god! And I looked at her. I said, Becky, are we really going to do this? <laughs> she just didn't say a word. <laughs> we did jump in. It was the fastest swim I ever had because there's a, an amazing current. I think I did it in like 20 minutes or something. It was like almost a mile swim in 20 minutes. It was crazy. Wow. Um, and then the hills, as soon as I got off the, the first hill going up and I was able to do that, I knew I would be able to do the rest of them. Uh, this, mm -hmm. this first hill was very steep climbing up out of the park um, onto the roadway. So that was really steep. A lot of people were getting off their bikes. They weren't able to do it, but I stayed on my bike. I was able to do it. And then for me, the that was challenging, but the more challenging part of this race was the run through Central Park in July. They actually just changed it to October. This is like completely new this year, mm. but for, for all these years, they always did it in July and it was always the hottest day of the year. So people were passing out, you know, they were giving out salt. They were it was wow. crazy, but I got through it. And, and my daughter was there and she was like, you got this, Ma, you got this. And she really helped me get through it. And wow, that's that, great. So yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. Now, how many people are I'm sure it varies a lot, but how many people typically are in, you know, one of these competitions? Oh, it could be thousands. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, it could be thousands. I mean, there's, there's, you know, depends on the competition, you know, the local ones that, that happen around the country mm -hmm. usually are a few hundred people. Mm -hmm. But when you're doing like these big, um, like New York City try or, I'm going to be doing um, the Chicago triathlon um, in August. That's going to be thousands of people. You okay. know, because yeah. These are like, these are high quality events. Yeah. And so how big would you say is the triathlete community just in the country? I mean, uh, it's not huge. I mean, we, we don't have a huge um, group. A lot of people will come out and sign up for an Ironman or a half Ironman um, because that's what they think they should do. And they've never done a half, they've never done anything before and they just jump in. 
I don't really recommend that. I mean, a lot of people do it and I really don't recommend that. I, I think you're better off learning, doing the sprints and the, the Olympics first, getting those under your belt and then going for these longer distance. The longer distances are really great because you dig deep and you 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 really have to dig deep in order to finish these races you right. know so, yeah. Yeah. yeah and and of course uh you have coaches and that you become a coach so um where do you find a coach how do you and how do you become a coach yeah so usa triathlon um if you go to their website they have a list of coaches in your area mm. and they have coaches around the country it's 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 not easy to become a coach. I thought it would be easier than it was. It was not easy. It's um, it's pretty rigorous. You have to go through a rigorous course, and then um, you have to you know study and take a hundred uh quit a hundred uh thing you know quiz whatever for it, and if you pass it you're in, but it's not easy to pass. It really isn't. And the the questions are, are, are difficult. So, you know, so if you're getting a USA triathlon coach, um, you know, that person is good and they make you continue your education. It doesn't stop just at that quiz. Mm. You know, you have to take a certain amount of courses every single year in order to uh, requalify for your coaching certificate. Mm. So while I was going for my, you know, so I got my coaching cert certification and then I became um, a personal trainer and got that certification. And then I became a running coach through Roadrunners Club of America and got that certification. And these certifications all count toward the USA triathlon certification. I see. So yeah. Do, yeah. Right. And, and now you, and you have a, a, now a team yourself. So what, what does that involve? So I have a, a, a national, actually international. I do have oh. a couple of members who are, there's one, person who uh is in spain and one person who's in france mm. um so but most of the people are here in the in this country they're from they span from um washington state to texas to florida to new york most of the members are in new york um obviously because i'm here mm -hmm. and what we do is we have webinars every single week where I get somebody to come in and, and try to, you know, teach them something about the sport. You could never learn enough about this sport. It's just constantly changing, constantly evolving. And there's always something to learn and to, to grow as a, as you know, as an athlete. So I get these webinars every week and then we have, you know, group discussions and stuff like that. So it's, it's great. And then I also have a run walk group with where we meet every Sunday. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, the members, I mean, we have like two or three in their forties, but most of the members are 50s, 60s, 70s. 
And we go out and we do run walks every week, every Sunday, um, anywhere from four miles to 12 miles, you know, depending on what the goal is of the week. Yeah, and I, I, I know that uh, you got involved with one of the uh, specialists um, in run walks, um, but it, and it seems that it's, it's become popular, but it also makes sense. You know, I think for me, it's, it's, ver- it's appealing. I don't, you know, having that, and, and I guess there's some uh, school of thought that it's actually, you know, more, uh, you know, better for your knees, better for, you know, helping you build your endurance if you do this sort of alternating run walk technique. Yeah, I mean, it really is good for your recovery. You know, it's it doesn't take as much out of your body. You know, when I did the New York City Marathon, I did that the entire way. I did 15 second run, 30 second walk, which brought me to about a four, 13, 14 minute mile, which is what I wanted for the marathon. Um, when we go out long, with our group, we go out sometimes five second run, 30 second walk or 10 second run, 30 second walk. And it becomes more palatable. It's not like it's, oh my God, this is gonna, this is daunting. No, it's really not. And what's nice about this group is that you've got experienced runners who, who can run like a seven, eight minute mile. And then you've got slower runners like me who go like 12, 13 minute miles. And then you've got really slower runners like 17 minute miles. But the thing about it is we all run together. So we all go at that speed of the slowest runner so that nobody feels like they're left out. You know, we are all part of a group. It becomes a social group for all of us. And, you know, we really enjoy each other's company. Yeah. I think that's really important that uh, people feel that, um, you know, there's some camaraderie as well as competition, you know? Um, and I think that that's, uh, cause I think otherwise it's intimidating. And, and I, and I do think there's the issue of, uh, I'm going to be left behind. And I think you talk in your book and, uh, in your presentations, just about that whole feeling of, um, you do what you can do, which I think is really important that, um, you know, that anything you do is really, you know, it's for you, it's, it's your, you know, achievements. Um, and they should be honored. You should honor them no matter where you are. Absolutely. It doesn't matter how fast you are. It doesn't, you're just faster than anybody sitting on the couch. <laughs> right, right. Okay. So, well, we have a lot more to talk about. I just want to, in the, our last segment, but uh, we're going to take another quick break. Um, and so, folks, uh, we still have a lot more to talk about in our last segment with Hillary Topper, um, the triathlete. Uh, so, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Tune in to Melody Edmondson's The Space of the Waste radio program. This companion piece to her successful guidebook series, The Space of the Waste, focuses on body types and how to make your waist length flattering no matter what your body type is. Guests include designers, merchandise managers, factory owners, and more. You'll also find out what accessories will complement your body shape and waist length. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. 
Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking with Hillary Topper, um, the triathlete. Um, and uh, also, she's been involved in, in lots of other things over the course of her life's journey. Uh, and before we dive back into talking about the lessons she's learned and as she's put down in her book, From Couch Potato to Endurance Athlete, I just wanted to um, uh, let you know, well, how do you, how do you get in touch with Hillary? And, and you've got a couple of blogs and one for triathletes, one for, you know, your New York blogs. So just tell us about, you know, this information first before I, so I don't miss it at the end. So if you want to follow me on my triathlon blog, it's a triathletes diary.com a triathletes diary.com and i write about my experiences i write about new products all that type of stuff Mm -hmm. uh training tips and that type um and i also have hillarytopper.com which is my lifestyle blog that's my new york lifestyle blog and hillarytopper.com i write about everything from restaurants to travel to entertainment shows everything so it's it's you know it's all there and i also like you ron i have a podcast um that is called hillary topper on air and that's part of my hillarytopper.com blog so you can find it there great and remember that's hillary 1l Correct. <laughs> Correct. And I'm also on Instagram. If anybody wants to follow me there, it's Hillary, H-I-L-A-R-Y, Topper, T-O-P-P-E-R, on Instagram. It's okay. just one word. <laughs> right, right. Okay, good. Um, so now back into the book. I, I wanted the last segment um, just to talk a little bit about the takeaways, sort of what you learned, what were some of the one of the things that you you talk about a lot is that uh, you're very open about your successes, but also your failures and your setbacks. And what were so I'm always interested because I, I find that at least for me that my my failures and my setbacks often are better uh, learning lessons for me than, 
my successes. So what were some of the significant failures, if you will, that you that helped, you know, inform you and move you forward? You know, I think what's interesting about triathlons, I just want to mention this, is sure. that to me, it's like life or like business. It's so, it, to me, it's just so parallel to either one of them, where you're just going to have very big highs and very big lows. And that's exactly what happened. And that's, that's why in the book, I intertwine my personal and business with the triathlon, because it's, you can't really just talk about one without talking about everything. Um, in terms of setbacks, there's always been setbacks. I mean, you know, from dealing with um, my mom's passing and then a couple of months later losing my house and seeing her chair that she gave me that she was going to sit on when she came to visit being carried off because it got destroyed in Sandy. Um, you know, from that to, you know, then, uh, you know, learning that my dad had Alzheimer and I had to, you know, my sister had passed a couple of years earlier and she had, it was a crazy situation where she had an aneurysm and stroke and was in a coma for three weeks. And we thought that she would come out. Like we, it was, you know, these things you hear about them and you just don't realize that they could actually happen. And unfortunately they happen and I had to deal with that. And then, um, you know, having to deal with my dad who had Alzheimer and, and, and COVID striking. And, and now I can't see him and I can't go there and I can't take care of him because he's in Florida and I'm in New York. And how am I going to juggle all of this? And all I want to do is bring him here and he doesn't want to come. <laughs> so, right. you know, it's, it's, it's always, there's always something and triathlons are the same way. I mean, you have these amazing highs where you finish a race and you feel so good. And then there are times that you can barely finish a race or you can't finish a race or you finish a race last. And you think maybe that the world is going to collapse because you're, finished it last, but yet it doesn't. It's just like these other things. I mean, it's part of life. It's, it's, it's just, you know, who we are and how we get through it. Um, right. And that's really the takeaway for me is, you know, do you walk away miserable for your entire life because you've had these tragedies happen to you? Or do you take it and say, okay, this happened. Let me learn from that and move on. And that's exactly how that happened with both life, business and triathlon. Yeah. Well, the, the usual saying that what you've expanded is, you know, life, life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And you've just said, well, yeah, it's actually a triathlon. It's not a sprint, <laughs> but I think, and I think that's actually more accurate because it, there are varying types of journeys and, you know, having those three, th three kinds of challenges, I think are more, you know, uh, symptomatic of what we need to go through. Um, uh, in order to do that, though, um, you need to be pretty organized, I'd say. So just um, to give me just a little snapshot of, of how you do this. I mean, Oh, my God, am I, I mean, organized? I mean, yeah. very organized. You know, it, it actually helped me become more organized because I never thought I was organized. You know, I've always like had like a messy desk and stuff all over the place. But um, 
I know that I have to do this in the morning. I have to get this done in the morning. For me, I can't wait until the end of the day. I'm too tired. I, I just can't. So I get up every day around 4.30, quarter to five. I have everything set in place. I mean, and I think this is really important to have everything set. Don't don't think, oh, I'm going to get it ready in the morning. No, you got to set it out the night before and make sure that everything's all set. Your bottles are set. Your your clothes are set. You've got your chamois cream on your, you know, uh, your bike shorts, you know, that type of thing. It all has to be done prior to the other thing that's for me, which my car has become my closet and I have different compartments in my car for different sports, right? So if I'm running, I have my running belt and my hat and my sneakers and, you know, I have everything in the car. <laughs> so the car becomes a big, a big storage. Mobile, it's a mobile home. Triathlon. <laughs> But you do, you, you really have to be very organized and know what you have to do the next day. So you get it all prepared the night before and you just do it, just go. You know what, if I thought about it, half the time I would say, oh, forget it. I'm not going to the gym and getting there at 545, you know, just to get a lane. I mean, tell you with the gym it's like they're giving away free pizza there they're, everybody's running for a lane <laughs> it's crazy it's like lunatic at the gym at six o'clock in the morning <laughs> wow wow yeah um the other thing that i i found very interesting in your book is just sort of well you call them sort of tips and 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 uh, to get through. But some of the things that you do, uh, one of the things I liked, especially in terms of getting through one race. I'm not I'm not sure if this was the New York race or one of the other ones, but you know you had um, you dedicated each mile to someone, which I thought was interesting. Talk yeah. about that. So that was the New York City Marathon, mm -hmm. and I knew I needed some motivation to get me through each mile. So mm -hmm. what I did was I wrote on my arm an indelible marker. Each mile I dedicated to somebody who was important to me in my life. And during that mile, I really thought about those people. Like mile one was my sister and her boyfriend, mile two, you know, and it went on like that. I also dedicated it to, you know, people who had passed, but they made an impact on me, you know, like my grandmother, she was my rock. She, you know, so she, I gave her and my grandfather a mile and my other set of grandparents also were just amazing people. Um, I was really blessed to have them all in my life. And then, you know, of course, my children and my coaches and um, my husband and, <laughs> you know, so every mile I had so, you know, just given a mile to somebody. And at the um, at the end of the race, I get I, I had one mile. I think it was mile 25. I dedicated that to people who can't who say they can't because you can mm -hmm. you can do whatever you set your mind to do. And I know that's a cliche, 
but it's so true because again, if I could do it, you could do it. Um, and in terms of the last mile, I dedicated it to me because of all the curveballs, all the obstacles. I mean, I've had so many curveballs in my business, you know, that mm. were just, it, it, it's like, how do you go through 30 years without having curveballs constantly thrown your way, you know, and right. you just have to dodge them or figure out how you can get through it. Right. So uh, as we come to our close, the end of our race today, what what's next for you? What 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 sort of challenges are you looking toward yourself? Yeah, I mean, I have a bunch of interesting races this year coming up. I have a three mile race in the Poconos, which I'm really excited about. I have the Chicago Triathlon, which I talked uh, earlier about. And then I have a bunch of uh, smaller sprints, a um, couple in Florida, you know, a couple around the, the country. So, yeah, I'm excited about my upcoming schedule. I'm also going for my U.S. Master's Swimming Certification. Wow. <laughs> so that's huge. So I can teach people how to swim. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. And, and so starting off, you couldn't swim at all. And uh, I think you I, I think you mentioned telling me one time that actually swimming is now your strongest leg of this triathlon. Definitely. I mean, I did a, a 5.5 mile swim from Bayshore Fire Island that turned into a seven mile swim. And <laughs> but it was just an incredible experience. Right. Yeah. So one of the lines I'd like to in in your book, it might have been in, in the epilogue, but it but somewhere you said, uh, you know, besides telling people you're never too out of shape or too old or too heavy or too anything to be a triathlete, the little cautionary tale is was well well taken. The road will be bumpy, but it will always be waiting for you, which I thought was a really nice way to keep people like keep recognize expectations. It it won't be easy, you know. Yeah. Yeah, never is so, yeah. never is yeah so folks um uh, thanks i just wanted to thank you hillary for a very uh enjoyable inspirational conversation uh we'll leave it there for today we'll have to have you back for your next chapter um but uh, once again folks uh tell your friends if they missed my conversation with hillary today um you can listen to it as a podcast on voiceamerica.com to search for my show 45 forward Find on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, our radio, or go to my site, rowellresources.com, click on the 45 forward tab. So uh, be sure to join me next Monday, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. I'll be talking with Judy Serino, who is a senior advocate and home care consultant. She'll be talking about uh, many of her um, educational programs for seniors that she does, uh, especially dealing with fraud and scams, but also nutrition and um, uh, uh, basically uh, dealing with uh, dementia. So uh, until then, folks, keep moving forward, 45 forward. Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Rowell, for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week.